It's the Paddle Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Paddle Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and today I have our first female guest, Shakira Westorp. Shaq, as she likes to be referred to. Shaq is currently second on the Waterman World Tour, stand-up world tour. She is currently one spot ahead of Izzy Gomez, last year's world champion, and a French surfer, Caroline Angibod, is currently leading the ratings. We'll see how that all shakes down in a few weeks here in Huntington. That's something I'm getting quite excited about, going to surf in the event, and also hopefully uh, be, be recording a few and interviews some episodes while we're out there because everybody's going to be there it should be incredible and today actually i was feeling a very very large lack of motivation after a three-hour surf session and then uh, did some training trying to be in shape for the event coming up and so i was feeling a little bit tired and to motivate just pounded a beautiful espresso and i came down to the beach and so i'm sitting in my car in front of my favorite bay in the whole entire world two minutes from my house and watching a little wave break out front and i'm using my remote rig which i'll be using in huntington so it's a zoom h4n with an sm58 mic so i hope the audio quality on this is good uh some notes before we get into the show i'm very excited about blue zone sup for the year um, definitely have confirmed now that we will be doing six to eight camp weeks now the camp weeks are 100 percent sup focused come down improve your skill set learn from the likes of colin mcphillips and maybe a couple other names this year that we're talking to right now should be amazing and just really dive in and immerse yourself in the world of stand-up paddle surfing along with those camp weeks we will now this 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 year be offering private retreat weeks and the difference there is there's flexibility so along with being just probably the most addicted stand-up paddler in the world i also spearfish all of our guys spearfish we surf um dive then you know flat water paddle if you want to so we can cultivate a perfect week for you uh, the fishing here is tremendous the spear fishing at the, the right times of year is, is pretty amazing too so you can come down and tailor a week to exactly what you'd like to do with a small group of folks it is more expensive than the camp weeks but it's private for what you want and it's and it's the same infrastructure so get your videos your photos uh, the whole thing but you can really have a tailored experience and if you just want to stand up the whole time that's cool too we love it so very excited about that hit me up uh, through the website paddlewoo.com or bluezonesup.com. Either one of those will get to us and we can set up something for you. So very excited about that and hope we see you down here. Um, last note is the Not Afraid to Stand Alone shirts are selling great. Thank you guys very much. There are a number of them left. There's about, I don't know, 15 to 20 of the first run left. So if you're still interested in a shirt and you haven't picked one up yet, grab it. I don't know if we'll be doing another run of those. We've got a couple new ideas in the works for new new batches of shirts. So without further ado, Shaq, thank you very much for being on the show today. Um, to start off with, please give the audience an overview of who you are, where you're from, and uh, how you got into surfing and then subsequently stand-up surfing. Yep. Um, I'm yeah, Shakira Westop 
from Australia, um, beautiful place, uh, northern New South Wales. Um, there's unreal waves down here and are really uncrowded compared to just up the road on the Gold Coast where all the name breaks are like Snapper and that. And we've got waves down here that are pretty close to that. And, um, yeah, you know, you might surf with a couple of people out. Um, and I grew up in this area uh, um, from about oh, six till, you know, the teenage years until we moved up the, to the Gold Coast for a bit. Um, but yeah, I've just moved back, uh, the last few years. Um, and like living down here was, it's such a beautiful spot and my dad was a surfer. So, um, yeah, we just, he used to just take me out and push me into a few waves. And then there was a pretty much a bunch of kids all similar ages and we were just a little gang, little like street rats and we'd, uh, finish school and run down to the beach and surf all afternoon till dark. Um, so it was actually such a cool place to grow up and introduced to surfing and, and beach safety and we're all in the, the nippers there. I think you guys call it junior lifeguards um, over that way. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it was such a good atmosphere to grow up in. Um, so, yeah, that would have been, you know, like eight, nine, ten, you know, just be surfing and then um, probably to get into stand-up, um, it was about 2006 or so, seven maybe. Um, Jamie Mitchell and Mick DeBetter and a uh, few of the guys, because they, they travelled to Hawaii a lot, they um, they saw the guys doing the stand-up paddling and um, they came back and they decided they'd make one and um it was pretty hilarious it was just a massive big blank <laughs> roll it was a hideous looking thing and um the the guy ra the shaper he he um put it was like kevlar all over because it was just so long it had no stringer and um it, it would bend in the middle and anyway we we, we took as well and get out and it was like a two-man carry so it was a team effort to get it down the beach and back. <laughs> um but we had some laughs on it and um and that was kind of at the start of the sport in australia and so it's actually been it's actually been pretty cool to see the progress from there like um now you know the boards that everyone's surfing now are crazy but i've got such good memories of riding that board um you know, because we've got long right-hand point breaks here and, you know, you just start and you just keep going and going and going and going. You couldn't turn it. You know, it was just big straight line barge. But, um, yeah, it was good fun, good good summers. That sounds amazing, especially uh, to be there right at the beginning of the sport too. To, to Was that the first stand-up that you know of that was shaped in Australia? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm pretty sure Australia, but definitely our area no one had done it in our area um but yeah like i said like jamie and that they they um been you know he paddled the molokai every year and the, the boys over there were just starting to get back into it i think and um uh the guys from c4 you know uh, dave parmenter and todd uh, bradley and that they were you know starting to design really the first kind of stops again so um i think you know the 
boys kind of got their ideas, you know, just saw them doing it and thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll come home and make one. And, um, and, and that's kind of where it was at at the start, just big, chunky, ugly-looking boats. We called it the aircraft carrier because <laughs> <laughs> it was massive. Uh, and when was the first time that that light bulb went off and you thought to yourself, wow, this might actually be something that I can really spend a lot of time focused on and have a future in? Um, yeah, well, it was probably a few years after that. I mean, it was, um, you know, they started to do a few little contests um, in, you know, they, the longboard contest would have a subdivision and... Um, Oh, there was a, a stand-up shop that just started that had like made a little um a little like surf and race contest and stuff and so it was you know slow uh, as any sport is at the start but um you know after a few years then um, they had women's division started um, so <clears throat> that's probably when you kind of go oh well you know I can now I can go and compete in these it was probably more racing at the start. Um, but now that they've got the world tour for the surfing um, and it's a little bit more established, um, you know, there is events to go to and and that. But, yeah, probably this year, that's, this is the year that I've I decided to do the tour. Um, but before that, there particularly wasn't that too many events surfing-wise um, to really get to. Gotcha. And so locally there, then there's not a huge scene for for stand up. I believe the scene there is better though than it is in the states, from what I've heard, as far as just the amount of guys that are out performing at a high level in stand ups. Oh, there's um, yeah, the guys that surf around here, you know, like you know Justin and um, like Kiahi, Jackson, Close, and there is a really a couple of guys from down the down towards Sydney and stuff, um, and they they all go on the tour. But um, we don't particularly have any events in Australia. Um, there's only our, our state and Australian titles, which then we can um, make the Australian team for the ISA World Titles. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, there's not particularly too many surfing race uh, surfing events um, in Australia. Gotcha. Who who are the current champion, the Australian champions right now, uh, women's and men's? Uh, women's is Emma Webb, and men's is Jackson Close. Jackson Close. And then did Justin and Kiahi and all of them do that circuit too? Um, yeah, Justin, uh, last year, uh, Kiahi didn't do it this year, and neither did Justin, but I think because Justin surfs for New South Wales, he couldn't make it. I think it might have clashed with one of the world tour events. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, he didn't make it, but he's hoping to get a wild card into the Australian titles, which is in October. So really, there's only two events. Um, sorry, there is um, uh, the Noosa Festival of Surfing, um, which is uh, predominantly a longboard competition, but they've had the stand-ups the last few years. And um, another event uh, at Kingscliff, um, the Australian Longboard Titles, and um, which is Justin's hometown. Okay. And but yeah, I mean, the uh, numbers that show up 
aren't indicative to the numbers in the water. That's for sure. So you have a better a better uh, group of folks surfing on a daily basis than show up for the contests. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you go, one of the most popular places to surf around here is Crum and Alley, and on any given day there'd be, you know, twenty, thirty surfs on the weekends. You know, it's just a supperthon out there. There's people everywhere. Um, but you know, a lot of those are just social paddlers as well. But um, there's a lot of the really good guys that I guess maybe don't have the drive to compete. Um, so yeah, the numbers, there's still just a core group that show up to the contests. Um, but yeah, the, the numbers aren't quite there. I think there's, um, there's a stand up shop up the coast that have been trying to kind of uh, push it a little bit and get a couple of the, the younger crew involved. And there's, um, and kind of been sponsoring a few little, like little get togethers. Um, so I, mean, I guess it's just still pretty small time here in Australia. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a barrier to entry and stand up as the price point for boards. Yes. Uh, there's two actually. So there's a price point of boards and then there's also the fact that it's incredibly difficult to do. So it's expensive to be humbled. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I guess, uh, like for the starboards, uh, 2700 and I, I believe to soon be quite increased for the 2016 models and uh yeah uh there are like those brands that are you know five six hundred bucks that are you know just chinese and they're going to fall apart in, in like a year or so but i mean if you're just a social paddler and want to get out only when it's small and stuff i guess you know yeah you're not gonna want to spend that money like you said to be humbled right well, so you just dropped Starboard uh, in the conversation there. You've you've been on the team with Starboard for how long now? Uh, probably th- this will be my third year. How'd that come about? Um, actually, when Justin um, went to Justin Holland, when he went to Starboard, he spoke to the Australian distributor and dropped my name and said that um, they should give me a run as well um, because we were both riding Hobie for a while. And um, then he swapped to Starboard and he gave me a go. And because Starboard had the smaller boards, um, uh, you know, they had the seven fours and then bring out the seven ones. And, like, I'm not a big person at all, so the smaller sizes really appealed to me. And I jumped on Justin's and I just loved it as soon as I got on it. Um, so, you know, I was like, oh, Justin, you got to talk to him. So, yeah, he, he talked to um, Ian Gross, the Australian distributor from here, and he, he was, um, yep, let's get her on board. So that was a pretty easy transition. Um, what board do you ride now? I ride the 7-1 um, by 24. 7-1 by 24, okay. And then are you uh, are you pretty underwater when you paddle that? What's the float level for you? Uh, <clears throat> no, it's pretty level. It's just probably, you know, the... The back end's probably just underwater, but no, it's, I'm not like some of the, the boys that you see, like Mo Fritas and that, they're, um, they're, you know, nearly like halfway up their shins <laughs> standing around. So, no, I'm, my, my, it's pretty level for me. Yeah. I just got the, I'm, I'm like 185 pounds, like 82, 83 kilos, and I just got the Sean Pointer model, and it's the first board I've had that's significantly 
underwater when I paddle. And it's super fun to surf, but after about an hour, well, I'm done. I, yeah, your I, legs blow up. Oh, my goodness. It's like you're working out. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try to decide here in the next little bit. If, it'll probably just be my really glassy beach break board. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so you've been on Starboard. Yeah, well, Go ahead. I was just going to say like that progression of the step down too, um, which I think everyone finds um, once you get it, and if you're already a surfer, it's it can be quite a steep one, a tanker. But you know your ability level, and then you're like, oh, I want to do more, and so you get you know step down and step down and step down, and that's kind of where I got to riding the seven one. Like I didn't just go from that twelve foot aircraft carrier to the uh, 7-1. Um, I had, uh, I think it was like an 11-footer and then a 10-footer. And I remember the 10-footer for its time was like pretty cool. And uh, like the <laughs> rails on it were so like solid and boxy. And just to try and put a rail in the water, you know, I was just, kind of, I was just turning on the flats. Like it wasn't enough of me to, to – um, to put in and that, that those were the boys like Brian K. Lana and all those guys were shaping and riding. So there was, you know, they got big legs and can drive off those rails. And then, and they brought out this like nine foot little bat tail thing. And, and that was like, I love that for a bit. And then, but yeah, every year it's like bang, bang, bang. I got to the seven, four and I thought, Oh, this is awesome. I probably wouldn't go any shorter than this. And then got the seven one and yeah, I ride that for everything. Now I, um, there was a bit of a swell a few months back here and there's this bummy just um down the road and yeah, paddled out there on the seven one and yeah, it performed awesomely. So it's kind of my go to board for everything. Can you tell me what a bummy is? I, I've talked to Justin a bunch and I hear that term. I, I, I just thought it was a wave. I thought cow bummy was a was just what's a bummy? It's just kind of like a offshore break. Um and it doesn't it doesn't particularly run off like a point break. It could be a bit shorter and more intense, I guess. There's this uh, one I'm speaking of. There's these two rocks about uh, a few hundred meters offshore. They called Mary's Rock, and then these way a right breaks off it and a left breaks off it on different swells. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bombing. It's just a. It's, I guess it's probably quite an Australian word. Um, yeah, I'd never just, heard it. Just kind of means just a, a break quite offshore. It's like a cloud break, like a offshore. Okay. Yeah, but I guess because that's reef, I mean, we it might be just like a rock slab and it just kind of, I don't know, but breaks on itself, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, any anything, got anything offshore because if it's like a, a big surf and, you know, oh, look at the bombies out there, it's just – I guess an Australian term for, yeah, way out there. <laughs> uh, do you change fin setups when it gets bigger? What are you riding in your 7.1 and, and do you change it up at all? Is, is that just a thruster or do you also have a quad setup there too? Yeah, there's a quad setup, but um, I haven't really tried too much with the quad. I've, um, I just got these fins, I uh, can't even think of what they're called, but um, uh, they have been working really well. I, I messed around with the like moving it forward and back, and I think I've just got the sweet spot at the moment. Where is it? And uh, pardon? Where's the sweet spot? Oh, like probably where where like um maybe like halfway back. I don't know. I'd have to measure it, but I've 
I've just I've saw, I saw Justin. He marks out where the fins go on his board, so I just kind of copied him and marked marked places and moved it forward and back. And then, yeah, where it is now, like I really feel um, nice release off the top and and still quite drivey. So I've been able to um, still being able to ride the bigger waves with the same fins. Um, I know there's like a lot in fin setups and um that's probably something more i need to get into you know as you as you progress as a surfer and stuff um because it can make such a difference and i see justin he he messes with his fins all the time but um i've just kind of found this little setup and i've haven't touched it (laughs) but i'll have to take him out to travel soon so i'll have to um yeah make sure i mark it properly (laughs) i uh i had this one board years ago that you know i threw in a thruster set of fins it was a five fin setup and it just just never surfed good and i had it for like a year and i just always ridden thrusters and it's about to sell the board and for some reason i decided to put a quad setup in this board and it was magic and i just felt so stupid that i had had this board that was a magic board for you know almost a year probably and didn't even know it and so now when i get a new board i always go through at least three variations of fins in the yep. first week or so before I figure out how I'm going to ride the board because I never want to experience yeah. that again. Yeah, no, that's a good good point actually because, yeah, I mean, I my um my favorite board I ever, beautiful finchy thing. And then my next board I had was a, a quad. And, like, I really like that style of surfing, but I, I did put it in the stand-up a couple of times and I just couldn't figure it out. just felt really weird so i've stuck with the thruster for the stand-up yeah well let's talk training for a minute you do a little bit on the race side how much uh how much are you training how do you train um when i'm uh, so last year i got the call up to race for the australian team at the world titles i made the surfing side but the um the girl who was in the racing was crook um, so yeah, they, you know, I had a month to train, so I would train with, um, a, a squad up on the Gold Coast, um, Kelly Margetts and Mick the Better squad. Um, and they are very, uh, particular. They have, uh, the, all the sessions mapped out and, um, running up to certain events. So it's, it's very technical training. Um, and they'd be do, do like, sprint work and long long distance work and stuff so the isa races there was uh, the short kind of bop style one and and an 18k one so i had to you know uh train for both <clears throat> um so for the long distance stuff like i don't particularly like paddling in the flat so downwind style of thing i like doing that um for that training but if it's in the flat you still need that flat fitness um but then yeah so those training with the boys in the creek was in the flat so i do that two or three mornings um a week um but then when i'm not racing like i would i just surf just surf as much as i can i try and surf every day and a couple of times if it's good um and other than that i'll do a gym workout at, at work. Um, so that's two days a week and yoga. Um, but yeah, I mean, surfing 
is such good training for everything, even for racing as well, because you if you spend two hours out in the surf, you're in and out of the brake the whole time, your whole body's getting the workout, you're still paddling, you're still using your technique, um, and then you probably just got to freshen up with getting on the board to get a feel for it. Um, yeah, so if I'm yeah training for racing, then I'll do more. I'll paddle on the race boards a little bit more, but um, if I'm training for, say, Huntington events coming up, I just go surfing, surfing as much as possible. Nice. Are you going to be in Huntington? Yeah, I just booked my ticket um, yesterday, so I'm going to um, head over. Right on, right on. I'm going to actually go up for that one. I'm going to surf the trials for fun, hang out with some buddies. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. excited. Hopefully they surf. Yeah, well, it looks like they're getting a fair bit um, coming for the uh, lowers comp. Yeah, yeah. So thanks. So, yep. Um, that always scares me, though, when you're about to go somewhere hoping to surf and they're having good waves before you get there. That always scares me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're yeah, guaranteed it's going to be ordinary. Right, exactly, because yeah. it's pumping right now. Oh. Um, you were saying something about a cool whale encounter. What happened? Uh, yeah, so um, like I said, the the downwinding stuff I don't mind. Like if there's no surf, um, a downwinding is you know similar to surfing, and it's good training and good fitness and stuff. So the wind was uh, nuking on Friday. Um, so I uh, so the coastline here is pretty isolated. It's not like houses all on the beaches and stuff. It's it's you know quite isolated coastline. So I went down to Pottsville, which is about 10 kilometers away, and then paddled back to Casuarina. And um, and I was paddling <clears throat> just off Hastings Point, and these and it's like a headland, so people can sit up there and watch the surf and stuff. And uh, these two whales just popped up right next to me, you know, with their massive big blowhole. Boom, and <laughs> I was just, oh man, I was just rattled. Like, I, cause I didn't see him coming. I was getting all these good runners and I had my head down and they just popped up right next to me and I lost my legs for a minute, you know, and you just get scared for a second. And anyway, so I kept paddling and didn't think anything of it and got home and I was riding back to get my in my car, I forgot my helmet, and in Australia we have to wear helmets, otherwise you get fined. And there was all these police cars around, and I ne- you never see police cars down here. And um, I'm like, oh, one of these blokes is going to pick me up in a minute, and I'm going to get a forty dollar fine or a fifty dollar fine for not wearing my helmet. <laughs> and I'm still, you know, like five k's from my car. Anyway, I managed to dodge all them, and then uh, I had to go to work that night, so um, I went to pick my friend up because um, we carpool and. And um, the the rescue helicopter was flying around. I'm like, oh, there must oh, be no. some sharks. Cause that had a lot of sharks um, in the area, and they've been flying around when there's been sharks. I'm like, oh, there must have been some sharks out there today. Oh, yeah, didn't think anything of it. And then uh, I was at work um, that night cooking some dinner, and um, and uh, a friend that's in the volunteer rescue from down here. Um, rang and said, no, you know, go, oh, Shaq, yeah, just checking on you, seeing if you're all right. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm fine. What's going on? He goes, oh, well, yeah, we've just been um, searching for this lady paddleboarder that got um, knocked off her board at Hastings Point by two whales. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? And he's like, 
yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's big, big, been a big search on, and I'm like, oh, okay, what time was that? And he goes, <laughs> oh, apparently about one o'clock. And I'm like, oh, I better hang up and ring the police. That's got to be me. So <laughs> I, um, I rang the police, and uh, they, you know, went through like what time and what I was wearing, and you know, I, I, I fit the, I fit the criteria what they're looking for, and um. Yeah, so a lady that was watching saw the whales come up next to me and then lost sight of me and um, thought I got knocked off. And so she's called called the rescue chopper and there'd been a chopper searching for me uh, since about one thirty and till dark. Oh, so <laughs> buzzing around for five hours and you know I couldn't find anyone because I was you know made it home and then. You know, did whatever I was doing, riding my bike back to my car and stuff. So, anyway, the police had a bit of a laugh, but I was kind of like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," because you know, I know it costs a lot of money for a helicopter to be up searching for five hours. Sure. But, um, yeah, but uh, it was it was pretty funny. It was just that one of my friends was in the VMR and he just thought, "Oh, that's something Shaq would do," and because um, it was quite rough out there, and <laughs> and because you're a long way out as well, so you know. For people that are just have no idea and they're just standing there watching, they're like, "Oh my god, it looks so crazy!" But um, but yeah. Anyway, it was it was pretty funny. It made the papers here the next day and everything, so it was a bit embarrassing. All the boys from work would, you know, giving me grief about it, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know how that could be embarrassing though, because it's like that hardcore that you're out there paddling on a day like that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> it kind of it brought. To the attention too that there was that guy who uh, recently he he um, fell off or something in Hood River and yeah that was sad and yeah and I, I mean I was kind of out there by myself and I thought um, you know it's it's you need to wear a leg rope especially if you're going by yourself because it, you just don't know like I could have got knocked off by those whales and been in a bit of trouble and you know if there wasn't people standing on the headland then you know you'd You'd never be found. No. Yeah. Search would never be, especially along here. And I guess like Hood River, it's just isolated up the Gold Coast and all that. You know, there's uh, lifeguard towers every few hundred meters. So there's always someone watching. But down here, there's not. And uh, normally, you know, it's it's good to paddle with a couple of people. I've got a couple of neighbors that are into it. And um, we get out there on the weekend sometimes. But, um, but yeah, when it's during the week and you've just got the time to paddle, you know, you just go. So, but yeah, it does highlight that you, you need kind of some sort of rescue equipment and, uh, and a leg rope is one of them. Yep. Yeah. We were surfing a, um, I did the Costa Rica circuit here with, with one of my good friends, a guy named Oscar and we were just doing the surfing and then he decided, uh, for one of the events in Tamarindo that he'd just do the race too, just for fun. And so they, they went out and it was, I think it was like a seven K or nine K and it was this loop, you go out around a buoy, come back, and you do this twice. And it went out, and it was offshore at about, I don't know, 15 miles an hour, maybe, maybe gusts of 20 in the morning. And then all of a sudden, they get out there, they're turning around to come to come back in, and it started blowing at like 30, 35, 40 gusts. And uh, he's coming in, barely getting any ground, and then a gust blew him off his board. And his board started bouncing out to sea. And he said that he swam for about 30 minutes before he got his board back. He thought he was going to drown. Um, 
because there was no like uh, I mean I guess there was a boat out there but no one knew where he was and he didn't yeah. have a leash on and so he got his board back and he basically just paddled back to shore and it took him three hours it was a three it took him three yeah it was three hours before he got back to shore as gnarly that's crazy yeah because especially when it's windy like that it's really hard to see you know that for boats for choppers for anybody you know right. you, you don't yeah you can't can't see anything really yeah it's heavy um what about travels have you uh what's what are some of your best surf trips um yeah i reckon um i went to the maldives last year and um that was really fun um the waves over there were awesome um and i wish i actually would love to go again but um but yeah i took the stand up over and yeah got some really nice waves uh and um peru um we had the isa titles there a couple of times and i'm a goofy footer and there's only uh right hand point breaks here so to get long left hand point breaks was just awesome all time i just you couldn't wipe the smile off my face i was so (laughs) stoked and because it's just such a like jacama and uh this other joint pacus mayo like they just ran forever and um yeah it was awesome surf like just to surf all day going left um but uh, yeah those probably uh, my two favorites of late um being on the stand-up but just surfing like i've been pretty blessed to have surfed a, f- a fair few places of the world and um and sp- and now with the stand-up world tour like uh france and morocco um this year i've never been to either so uh, it's such a cool uh reason to go over and surf waves that you've never surfed before. Yeah, the uh, the footage from last year looked pretty amazing in Morocco. They scored for sure. Oh, I'm pumped for Morocco because, yeah, like I said, it's just all uh, right-hand point breaks here, so I'd love to – that. yeah, the footage from there looked amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, there's still, like, so many places I'd love to go. Japan and there's Taiwan and um, Sri Lanka and, oh, there's – too many places to visit that I haven't been. <laughs> it's just all about getting time off work now, so you can um, so you can get there. Yeah. What's work for you? I'm a firefighter. Oh, right on. Yeah, so uh, it's good. It's um, it's a good lifestyle job. I mean, I get plenty of time off to surf. It's just got you know, and the boys are so cool with swapping shifts, so I can go away to these events, and they're all very supportive of of that. So um. I'm pretty lucky in that respect, but I mean, I've got to prioritize events. I can't get to them all. And, um, uh, I went to the first, uh, world tour event in Hawaii and got second. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get to, to all these events. And, um, then the Brazil one got canned. So it was good and bad in a way. Good because I got another couple of weeks up my sleeve, but um, bad because I'd already bought my ticket and the whole thing, but um, so now Huntington and then France and Morocco. Right on. Um, talk about the girls' world tour a little bit. The uh, the level of competition seems to be rising quickly. Who are your biggest competitors uh, over there? Who do you draw inspiration from? What's it all What's it all about? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of chicks that surf good now. Um, we even like Izzy. She's only a grommet still and. She's got such such a nice style and big powerful hack. Um, 
and she's world champ at the moment, so that that shows. Um, and then you've got uh, you know some of the older older girls like myself, Abaya, um, Candice, Appleby. Um, <clears throat> we're all kind of thirty, and um, and then you've got yeah like Fiona. Um, probably missing a few, but yeah, they're all oh, Alani Adesaka from Brazil. I mean, you could any one of those girls could win an event easily, and um, it's it's cool actually. It's cool to see that level, and it's not really all from one country. Everyone, there's like a couple from each, which is cool. I think it's not kind of one country dominating. And people from all over the world are rocking up to these events and and um, and surfing really good. Um, but yeah, I'm really stoked to be involved this year and um, getting amongst it and meeting the girls. I had a really good trip to um, Hawaii with Ibaya and Alini. We um, we roomed together and it was fun. We just surfed heaps and we had a really good time and make, forming those friendships with the girls all over the world. And you know, you got somewhere to stay all over the world and they got somewhere to stay if they come to Australia and um yeah it's uh it's pretty cool to be a part of right on so in the contest realm um we just ran the paddleboo video contest I don't know if you saw that but Justin's video was yep. sick uh yeah. they were all incredible I mean, one of the things yeah that was... I like Noah's barrel barrel vision yeah <laughs> well Noah awesome. Noah's brings up a very very important point and that was that we didn't define what the judging criteria was going to be going into the contest. And so how do you judge Noah's video, which is insane versus Justin's video, which is insane, but completely different. So what do you think judging criteria for stand-up should be? And then we can extrapolate that out a little bit for uh, the video contest, but where does it come? Should it be exactly the same criteria as a surf contest? Or I think it needs to be a little different possibly. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's that is a hard one because, you know, the whole using the paddle thing is obviously it's the kind of the, they run at the same at the moment as surfing, but using your paddle. And I mean, people can kind of fake using their paddle a little bit. Um, you know, they just kind of put it there, but they're still turning just like a regular surfboard. Um, and then there's uh, it's maybe it's more so in the girls' side of things where you might kind of, you know, run with a lip and come down with it, but there's no kind of power hack behind it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like those manoeuvres are still getting quite highly scored where you see in the guys, like, they would hack that and blow the fins or, or whatever, and, you know, if a guy kind of just went up with the lip and come down, like, you know, you're not going to get scored, but that power behind it. So, I mean, it's still a new sport, and I think the judges are still probably trying to figure it out as well. Um, and hopefully, you know, as, as it progresses, obviously the judging and the judging criteria are going to get better and the surfing is going to get better. So, um, but there's, like, things some of the boys do, that's just insane and it's just comparable to regular surfing and um but whether or not they've got the paddle you just it doesn't probably really matter they they would be able to do it like Kyle Lenny, you know the pop airs and and stuff he does them on a shortboard he does them on the stand-up um but yeah obviously 
the number one thing is the use of the paddle. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the criteria, it's just going to, I guess you just got to, and it's the same as surf events. They, like at Chopu, they, they score the barrel. They don't score turns. And I think it's, I mean, you just got to watch the first few heats and kind of watch for what they're, what the judges are looking for on that particular day. Right. Um, that's something that, you know, I think about a lot. And, and so paddle, we, we talk about paddle enhanced surfing. It's kind of like the mantra for the site. And I think that the paddle should enhance surfing and it shouldn't take away. I hate like paddle tricks, like what you call them. Like when someone's just like being fancy with the paddle and it's not actually adding anything. I don't think that the paddle yep. should really be visible at all. It should kind yep. of be seamless in the surfing, but it should definitely accentuate turns. I think that with a paddle, you can yep. turn a lot harder um, yep. and you can use it for bracing and recovering from, from things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. And so there's a real yep. fine line there um, about you want the paddle to be invisible, but you want it to be very important to everything that's being done. Uh, yep. And so I, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that judging criteria is really going to have a lot to do, though, with the direction of the sport and then also kind of the popularity of the sport, too, because they could take it in a direction if you're rewarding ugly surfing um, because yes. the paddle yeah. is very visible. It, it could, yep. you know, I don't think that that's generally good for the sport. I also think that there should be a huge component of style because I think that riding a bigger board gives you an advantage of being able to go really fast without the, the choppiness of a shortboard. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And so I think that that should be a, a big component in the judging as well. I think it should be super smooth and then really radical and then really smooth and then really radical in between turns and whatnot. Yeah. I don't I know what you're saying there, because uh, that's yeah, totally true. And just you know, like you see some of the guys that do they cut backs, and then they but all they're doing is kind of putting their paddle on that side to do the cutback. It, it actually kind of isn't particularly in the water and enhancing the turn. And then you see the guys that do that, and it looks awesome. But you know, the the guys that with the nice fluid style still. It would still look good, even though the paddle isn't particularly being used for its purpose. Um, so, yeah, it is, like you said, a fine line um, to, you know, using it. And then, like you said, um, rewarding ugly surfing as well, just because they are using it. So, right. um, it, is, it is a, yeah, fine balance. Another one that would be really interesting to, to look into, too, is kind of like Kiahi is probably one of my – he was my favorite – stand-up surfer for a long time right his style yep. i love it um but now as watching him more and more watching the sport grow like the boards that he's riding i have a couple of those jps they're really difficult to do any rail turns and he pretty yeah. much just smashes lips and does airs and gets absolutely kegged but you yep. don't really ever see a big old like mo Freitas just rail mm -hmm. gouge on those boards um, yep. And that's a completely, I mean, it's almost a different style of surfing. And so yeah. how should yep. that be rewarded versus Mo just burying a whole rail and wrapping it around versus, you know, like a, like a real flicky fins out the back, uh, yeah. smash from Kiahi. It's, it's, it's a very different style of surfing. Very different. And I think, um, I think the wave will dictate what, style of surfing they're rewarding you know mm -hmm. like said before with the the surfing um the, like the wsl you know they 
uh, they they score differently for moves at snapper than they would moves at J Bay, I guess, you know. Um mm-hmm. and that yeah, that's probably in the end what it'll come down to. But yeah, it is two totally different styles of surfing. For sure. For sure. And I don't neither is better than the other, but Kiahi's latest edit's ridiculous with him just getting absolutely kegged. Have you seen that video yet? Oh, not yet, no. I just I came out like about a week ago or whatnot. I'd love to know where that wave is. It's just this like right hand beach break barrel. It looks yeah, like it's right. in all of his videos. Yeah. Oh, it might be Noosa. Okay. Yeah, maybe. That's what, um like it's like uh about five points in a row and like oh. the, the one at the end is like beautiful and perfect and they just keep going back and they get bigger and bigger and bigger because they're uh, further out and get more of the swell. Gotcha. It's a beautiful place. Massive big headland. And yeah, just bays and bays and bays. That's so sick. We've got a lot of point breaks here in Costa Rica, but they're mostly lefts, which I don't enjoy as much. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right on. Um, what else do you want to touch on? we got a couple more minutes if you want to keep going. Um, I don't know what else is... Uh... Oh, what about paddles? We didn't talk about paddles for you at all. What what oh, size yeah. do you cut your paddles at? What size blade do you like? You riding the starboard paddles, or I saw some quick blade stuff on your Facebook. Are you with yeah. quick blade? Uh, no, I've been with quick blade from pretty much the start. Um, and Jimmy and Liz have been great to me the whole time. Um, I got they've made the flyweight shafts now which are a little bit smaller for, you know, a smaller person's hand, and they're just, like, light, like, air light. Um, <clears throat> and the blade I've been at the moment is the 81 V-Drive. Ah, I've um, used that. That's a great paddle. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've actually used that for both surfing and racing at the moment. So my race paddle is just a little bit longer, but my surfing is 70. 70. So, uh is that a little taller than you are? Yeah, just. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's, yeah, the, it makes such a difference and just light and, um, and it feels nice in your hand because it's just that a little bit skinnier. And yeah, I've, I've been very blessed to have those, um, quick blades the whole time, the whole, the whole time I've been, um, on the stand ups. Well, and you've gone back to, I mean, 2006, 2007, that's early days. So you've seen a lot of design change on the paddle side too, I assume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I think it, it went from, you know, the blade size was massive. Um, and that kind of was the thing there for a while, big like 10-inch like blades. And, <laughs> um, I mean, I've still got a few early model ones that I – for racing, they were huge, and then uh, I've got a like a, a a golf ball dimple one as well. Um, that was an early model, uh, but yeah, it's been it's been uh, interesting to watch um, the different you know, yeah ways they the blade shapes, the shaft shapes, and angles and the handle shapes, and yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, and I th- a lot of science goes into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, Jimmy, he's been paddling, what, for 100 years, you know. He, he's been making blades for, I think, 25 years this year is his uh, 
25th year of making paddles, so he, he's he knows a fair bit about it. What? How much flex do you like in your paddle? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't particularly think too much. Um, obviously, a little bit gives you a little flick at the end. Um, but I like it pretty fairly rigid. All right. You there? Yeah, sorry. I think it just dropped out a second. Yeah, that's okay. Um, all right. Well, closing thoughts. What do you want to leave everyone with? Thanks a lot for being on the show. It's, uh, this has been a fun conversation. But uh, any closing, closing yeah. thoughts for the folks? Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, I hope everyone just enjoys being out there and, and suffering and take it easy. And uh, like they say everywhere, you know, I think, take your turn and don't be a hog and the whole thing. Um, yeah, we're all out there to, to have fun and enjoy it. So, um, but yeah, the progression, progression of it is awesome. And just the stoke of surfing is awesome and get amongst it. Yeah. Well, Shaq, thanks a lot for being on the show. We appreciate it and uh, have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. And I look forward to meeting you in uh, Huntington. Yeah, it's the Paddle Wheel Podcast. <laughs>